0: Well, if this is your first time, I, I can only imagine what you're thinking right now. <laughs> what kind of church <laughs> did I end up coming to? Well, we are in the middle of a series called "Right on the Money," and we started this a couple of weeks ago. We got one week left after today that we're going to be talking through this. And so we, we started by asking this question: Is it ownership or stewardship? That that was just right right out of the gate. That's where we started. That, that we had to understand: Hey, when it comes to money and stuff, is is it ownership or stewardship? See, stewardship. It's management. It's do, a steward is somebody who manages somebody else's stuff. And so we have to ask this question, is it ownership or stewardship? Ownership focuses on rights. That's what it focuses on. That it focuses on entitlements because it's my right. But but stewardship focuses on responsibility. That I have a responsibility to the owner of the stuff. That, that a good steward, that, that a good steward takes and he manages or she manages the stuff that the owner owns for the purpose of the owner, not for the purpose of the steward. And so this is what we've been looking at and what we've been trying to, trying to learn from as we go to try to get right on the money. That Last week we looked at change of perspective. That This change of perspective, when it comes to change a perspective, that, that we need to understand this, that the love of money competes with our love for God. There's this competition, and when we love money, it competes with our love for God. That we can use money, we just shouldn't love the money. That we need to understand this about money. And the way that we manage stuff, it demonstrates who we're really serving. Are we serving God, or are we serving ourselves? That it demonstrates who we're really serving. We looked at three insights. These three insights about stuff. And with these three insights, we saw that that when it comes to stuff and money, that that it's a tool. It's something that that we get to use for for another purpose. It it is a tool. It is also a test. Now, we we don't like that part of it because we don't like being subjected to a test that we didn't really want to be part of. But it tests and it says, hey, what are you doing and who is it that you're living for? It's a test. And then we look and see it is a trademark. It's a tool. It's a test. And it's a trademark that, that the way that we use the stuff, the way that we manage the stuff, it, it, it reveals to others, it shows others what's really going on deep inside. When I think about just some of the opportunities that, that are right around the corner for us as a church, that, that ladies, uh, we have our, our bling women's retreat that's going to be happening in just a couple of weekends. And, and for that, we have 104 women that are going on that retreat. Amazing turnout. And, and when it comes to that, the, 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 when we manage the stuff, it allows us to be able to go, hey, I, I'm going to take some and I'm going to, to serve, I'm going to take some and I'm going to save and I'm going to take some that I'm going to spend. And when we, when we manage in our categories, it allows us to be able to take and, and spend that so, that so that we can do something and we can put ourselves around some other people and ladies that you can put yourself around other women that they're going, hey, I want to grow in my faith. I want to be able to just kind of pull away and connect with God and connect with some women. That this coming Saturday, we have our men's skeet shoot. And it's a similar thing that, that there's going to be a way for people to take the, this money and say, I'm going to use that as a tool. I, I want to be able to sign up, I want to participate. With that, Because I want to just hang out with some other guys. I want to have some fellowship and so, have some friendships. And I just want to be able to have fun and, in Jesus' name and have, have a great time and have some barbecue and hang out. And so that, that we're doing that too. And it's just a way of, of using this. And when it comes to these, these three jars that, that I shared with you guys last week, this jar of, that we would serve or give, that we would serve God with. This jar that we would save with, this jar that we would spend with, that we would think in terms of of that priority, that we would work in that order. And I shared with you that that we had, as a family, had had discovered this thing about 12 years ago of this 10-10-80 rule, that that we would give 10. We'd already known that one. We'd been living that one out. But then this idea of saving, saving 10. And so then we started going, okay, well, let's start saving 10. And then let's live on the 80. And, and, And that's what we started to do as a family. And we only did that for a few years before we started dialing back that spending even more to where we could give into these other areas. That, that we've got to have this change in perspective because we have to understand that the stuff, the money, it really does, it shows who we're serving. And I asked you that question of who is it that you're serving because it's your checkbook, it's your calendar that shows who you are serving. And are you serving God or are you serving the stuff? What are you doing? How are you serving? Today, we're going to talk about so what. It's a question. So what? But, but that so has S-O-W. It's so what? What is it that you are sowing? And so that's what we're going to be looking at as we get into this. I think one of the main reasons that, that people hold back on some of their generosity is this FOMO, fear of missing out. And, and, and there's this fear of missing out. And, and what happens is we've got too many people that end up going, I'm, I'm going to what if myself out of being generous. And, and that's what happens. They do. They, they what if themselves out of being more generous. It's, it's this idea. It's, well, what if, what if my car breaks down? I, I need to make sure that, that I've got that and I can take care of that. And and what if somebody in my family, that they need a little bit of support, and so I've got to make sure that I'm, I'm taking care of that? What, what if I get sick? What, what if I lose my job? And what we do is we, we what-if ourselves right out of generosity, that there's this fear that, that we just don't know what is coming and what's around the corner. I want you to think about the times and the things that you invite God to be part of. That, that, that you invite God in and say, God, God, will you help here? That you give permission for God to come in and actually work on. When I think when it comes to our finances, I, I think this is one of the ways that we do. We, we, we put our hands together, we, we pray, and we seek out God. That when we look and we see, hey, there is something that we're, <clears throat> we're after or something that we are needing. <clears throat> that what we end up doing is we end up <clears throat> putting our hands together and we pray. And we say, God. God, will you come through? God, God, will you, will you deliver? Will you make this happen? Whether it's the new job, whether, whether it's a paycheck that you just need to be getting, whether it's the generosity of somebody else coming in for you, whether it's just taking away an expense, that we do, we, we pray, we put our hands together, and we begin to pray, and we begin to invite God into our financial world when we find ourselves in need. But when it comes to that we begin to become aware of something that, that we could be part of and, and that we could be generous in the name of God, that what we do sometimes is instead of putting our hands together, we just put one hand out and we just stiff arm God and say, "No, God, no, no, you're not getting close to this. I, yeah, I, I, this is mine and, and I'm going to do with it what, what I want to do with it and, and that we don't invite God and in. we don't go, hey God, okay, now that I'm aware of that, what would you like for me to do? We don't involve God. And when we involve God and invite God in when times are tough and difficult, that's fine. But let's also invite God in and say, God, how is it that you want me to manage and use? God, show me how I can use this for your glory, and for the benefit of others. That we should be involving God through prayer this way. I think something that we probably all have in common. Whether you're somebody that you're here and, and you're just Christ curious, or you're somebody that you're going, hey, I'm Christ committed, wherever you're at on that spectrum, that I think something that we could all relate to in this room is, is that there is a desire within for us to be happy. That, that, that we want to be happy, we want to experience the happiness, the, the joy that, that comes with living. We're, we're in a country and we're reminded that it's the pursuit of happiness that, that we get to be here. And so I think it's something that we can all have in common. Well, I want to take you to a place in the book of Acts. It's Acts chapter 20. And Acts is, is the first book after the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And so the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're in the New Testament, beginning of the New Testament. And, and these are the books that talk about the lifetimes of Jesus his coming, his, his, his being here, his giving his life, sacrificing on the cross, his being raised back to life from the dead. It covers all of this in these Gospel accounts. And then the book of Acts, it gets its start right as Jesus is leaving earth. He had come back to earth for 40 days after he resurrected from the dead. He came back, for, and it's right as he's leaving, and, and he has a few words to say there. And, and, and then we jump to chapter 9, and, and he supernaturally begins to speak to a guy named Saul, who later becomes known as Paul. And he has a supernatural encounter with him, speaking to him, words in red in Acts chapter 9. And then we get to Acts chapter 20, and we get another set of words in red from Jesus. So let's check these out. You know that these hands of mine, this is not Jesus talking, but you know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. So Paul's letting everybody, hey, I've worked to take care of my own needs, but also what I've done, I've worked to take care of the needs of others and given to them. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. And you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. (laughs) Those are some pretty radical words. It says you need to remember the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And this word blessed, let me tell you what it means. Making happy. That's what it is. Blessed is making happy. And and so when we look at this with that understanding, it it is going to make me more happy when I give than when I receive. That an open hand, it reflects a grateful heart. That that when a hand, it it reflects a, a grateful heart, but a closed hand Reflects a greedy heart. That, that open and it's, it's grateful and closed, it is greedy. That, that, that when we look at this, we're, we're being told, listen, give more than more. Give when you can. Give where you can. Give how you can. Because it's through giving. It's more blessed. It's more happy making when you give than when you receive. And, and maybe every single one of us in this room, maybe we've experienced this at this point. That we know what that is to to be made happy by what we give. That that, that when we give and maybe it's a, a special day. Whether it's Mother's Day and you've drawn something and you've given something to your mom and it makes her happy. Whether it's when you see, hey, this is somebody I love and it's their birthday or it's their anniversary. And so I want to get them a present and give this to them, the people in our lives that we love, that we care so much about, that are special to us. And when Christmas comes around, we're going, hey, I want to give you something. And we do, we give because it is, it's more blessed, it's more happy-making to give than to receive. Has anybody here, have you ever given a gift to somebody when, when this kind of look on their face and then they give you this expression and it's like, uh, I, I don't have anything for, for you. They, they, they feel guilty, right? Anybody ever done that besides me? Giving something to somebody and, and they're like, give you that response back, right? You know what we do when that happens? We, we respond like this. It's, it's okay. You know why it's Okay because it's more blessed to give than to receive. We know that it's doing something for us when we get to do that for them. And so we're okay with it because, you know what, I'm blessed because I'm giving this to you that I get to give this to you. And so we do, we, we give to people that, that we love and then these people that, that, that we're just super close with, people that mean so much to us. And I think of another time when, when we give, and that is, when we become familiar with an opportunity, whether it's with an individual, whether it's to a cause, and we go, you know, oh, I, I, I want to help. I can help, and I want to help, and so we do help, and when we do, it makes us happy because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, I want us to look in Second Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to look at, at, at a few verses here, and, and as we focus in on 6, 7, and 8 for, for a few moments, I want to start with verse 7. And the reason we're going to start with, with verse 7, it's kind of like the, it's the creamy filling of the Oreo, right? It, it's the really good part, you know? So, so we're going to go ahead and start in verse 7. We're just going to kind of break it and just kind of eat the cream here for, for a moment, right? And so verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give that Paul's writing this, he's writing it to the church of Corinth, that the church, they're, they're going through some difficult times financially, and he's going, hey, you each got to decide in your heart how much you're going to give. And, 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 and when we hear this, this is kind of a comforting thing for us, right? That, that, that when it comes to deciding how much we're going to give, that we just get to do what? We get to decide in our heart. Okay, so, so each of you must decide in your heart how much you should give. And then he says, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Okay, so, so what's that? Well, well, giving reluctantly is, hey, we've got more to give, but we're just going to go ahead and hold back. I, I'm, I'm not sure I want to give up. That's reluctant. Giving in response to pressure, okay, well, that's like, hey, the pressure's coming on. We're like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to give. Let, let me tell you, I, I took church history as a class in college, okay? And as I took this class in college, I remember our professor talking about a particular event recorded in the history books about a pastor. And as he was in this church and he was was, was up there and he had told the ushers, hey, when, when you count the money, come out and let me know what it is. So he's up there teaching and one of the ushers comes up and they give him a note of how much was given. When they give him the note, he turns to that usher and he tells them, go lock the doors it really happened go lock the doors and then he told the church we're not getting out of here nobody's leaving until And he told them the amount that they had to raise that morning I would say that would be given to pressure <laughs> right? And so when we look at this and Paul he's writing and he's teaching the church he says hey what do you need to give don't give reluctantly but also don't give to the pressure, in response to the pressure. And then then we get to this part of verse 7. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Maybe you've heard it this way. God loves a cheerful what? Giver. Maybe you've heard it that way, right? And so we we love this. We're like going, we're all over that. It's like, can't that just be the only part of the Bible that talks about giving? Can't, Can't we just have just that? That's all I need. That, 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 that's my giving verse. La 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 la. We don't want to hear anything else because we like this, right? Well, wow. let's back up to verse six because I want us to know what was said before this was said. Again, he's writing to the church. He's not even there to try to convince. He's just here's a note. You're going to read it and you're going to do something with it. But back up to verse six. He says, Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. That's what he said before he said any of the other. That, hey, if if you plant just a few seeds, you're going to get a small crop. If you plant a lot of seeds, you're going to get a much larger crop. And so I want to illustrate something. I couldn't bring a farm with me today. And so I, instead, I, I brought what I could. And so I just got a little apple here, and I've got one of these incredible slicer core things. And so these are pretty cool, because you can just in one swoop core your apple and eat your apple. This is my attempt to make you jealous. And yes, this is a very good apple. There's an illustration here. That that when it comes to the apple, the part for the apple for us to enjoy, it's it's this, it's it's the fruit of the apple. But the core was never meant for us to enjoy. That that we don't we don't chomp down on the core and we don't. We just chomp down on the seeds and take those and enjoy those. In fact, we usually do something with the core. But we take the fruit, and we eat it, and we consume it, and we enjoy it. But I want you to, I want you to think about something with this. That that, that core that's that not meant for us to consume, we shouldn't just waste it and throw it away either. The the, the core is something that we should plant. And and when you plant it, you're going to get a harvest. That, That you're going to get more of what it is that you end up planting. But we don't get this when we try to plant the fruit. You only get it when you actually plant the seeds, that there's something about the seeds, and that, that we should be thinking about our tithe, giving God our 10%, well, we should be thinking about that as seed money, but I want us to look, and I want us to see the law of the harvest, that there's these, these three principles that this law of the harvest, and, and one of those is, is that you reap what you sow, that, that what it is that, that, that you end up sowing, that is what you're going to end up reaping. And this is true of so many things, of, of all things in our life, that, that, that when you sow a bad attitude, you're going to reap lots of bad attitude. You're, you're going to get what you sow, okay? That, that, that when, you show, when you sow generosity or kindness or love, whatever, but we're going to focus this in on the money. And so you reap what you sow. There's a second principle with this. And that is, you reap later than you sow. That, that some some people go, hey, yeah, I I've tried that generosity thing, and I, I I did something, I was kind, I even gave some money to God, and but you know I I didn't see any results from it. So you gave up. Well, you reap later than you sow. You don't you don't reap it when you sow it. You reap it later than you sow it. But there's another principle, and that is is that you reap more than you sow, that you reap more, that, that, that more comes. And, and that's what Paul was wanting them to know. Listen, the, the farmer who just, he, he just plants a few seeds, he gets a small crop. But the, planter, the, the, the farmer that, that plants a large amount of seeds gets a large crop. And then we need to be thinking about what we're doing with the seed money. Are, are we trying to use it for ourselves and consume it? Or are we going to plant it? So now let's come back to verse 7 after we understand this law of the harvest and this, this planting of few seeds and get a little crop or, or lots of seeds and get a lot of crop. And that is, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. So your heart has to understand, hey listen, there's this thing about seed money and there's this return that ends up coming. And so you've got to decide in your heart how much you're going to give. But you've got to know the law of the harvest. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. That, 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 that somewhere between where reluctance is and somewhere where pressure is, that you need to give somewhere in here. More than being just reluctant and, and less than the pressure that's coming at you for you to give. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Verse 8 and God will generously provide all you want oh wait let me back up (laughs) that wasn't want there Um, let me say it again and God will generously provide all you need you got to understand that what's what's the farmer get Now, now you've got to decide in your heart what you're going to give, and and, and don't give reluctantly, but also don't give in response to pressure. Find somewhere in there that you're going to give. God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all your needs. Everything that you need, God will generously provide all that you need. Do you trust God to be your provider? Do you? Do you? The, 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 see, that, that, that person that says, okay, God, I, I'm going to follow what you've had to say about this stuff. I'm, I want to be a steward, not an owner. I understand that you are... The, I, I want to I trust you to provide for me. And when you trust God to be your provider, you will have everything that you need. And not only will you have everything you need, there'll even be more. Check this out. Then... You will always have everything you need and plenty left over. Don't stop there, (laughs) because there's more. And plenty left over to share with others. That's what will happen. You'll always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. What we should be doing is that we should be centering our finances around The seed money That's what we should be doing And then then watch it And trust God to provide all that we need And not just provide all that we need But provide even more than that So that we can do what? So that we can continue to help others That that's what happens Two more verses here Verse 10 For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer And then bread to eat And in the same way he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. That if you'll let him, this is what he wants to do in you and through you. If you will let him. Verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be self, oh wait, generous, not selfish. <laughs> so that you will always be generous and when we take your gifts to those who need them they will thank god i'm going to tell you about a thank god experience that i've had and i've had it on multiple occasions and some of you have had the same experience that i have had that for years we as a church that we organized going and either going into Mexico or going into the Dominican Republic that that we would just pay for as a church. We'd pay for all the materials for a house. People would volunteer their time and pay their way to get there and to be able to go. We don't organize it directly as a church anymore. We have people that have been doing this and now they've taken over the whole ownership of this and and they're leading that out. So it's still happening. We're just not the ones organizing it as a church anymore. But but when we would do this and and when this happens, what happens is you spend a week, you build a house from the ground up. And when, at the end of the week, that there's a special ceremony, and, and, and we get to give the keys to that family that we have provided this house for. And one of the most emotionally stirring experiences I've ever had is watching them thank God. Not watching them thank me or thanking the others, watching them thank God. It stirred me more every time I've been there and done that than any thank you that anybody has ever thanked me for something I have done. When we get to do something, and when we do that and other people get to thank our God for what we just got to be a little part of, blessed. Happy making. It is what takes place. But we don't get to do that without being generous. We can't ever experience that. That we have to choose to be generous. And when we do, what will happen? They will thank God. Let me tell you, this: I'm just going to keep it real with you. That we're a tithing family. When we say tithe, we're not saying that's just a little tip, a little money we throw around. That means temp that we give God a minimum of a tenth of our income. We do this. But for us, that happens at, at an intersection of duty. I can't get my finger on it. Duty and delight. It, it, it's this intersection. The, 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 there's a sense of duty that I feel like, you know what, God, because of what you've done for me, because of what you've instructed in your word, I, I have a duty. I'm going to give this. It is yours. But it also is delight. It is absolute, pure delight. It's at this intersection of duty and delight for me. It is. And I I wonder, and I, I I, I don't know the answer, but I do, I wonder. When it comes to God and the greatest gift that he has given, and that's his son, was that something that God gave out of duty and delight? I I don't know. I don't know if if God felt a sense of duty when he looks at creation and people aren't following him and he's going, you know what, they're they're just full of sin and it's not my fault that they sin, but I feel a sense of duty to redeem them. And so out of duty, I'm going to give my son. I don't know. I do know for sure that it was out of delight. I I, I do know it, it was out of delight that he chose to give his son who left heaven, came to earth, died on a cross to pay for your sin, my sin, to give us a right standing with God that would allow us to be in heaven with all of eternity when we put our faith, our hope, our trust in Jesus. I do know that delight was part of it. Look at this last verse, John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I want us to just focus on the very first part of this verse. For this is how God loved the world. There's an interesting dynamic, an interesting contrast between God loving the world and when we love the world. That when God loves the world, he gives so the world would benefit. He he gives so so that the people, his most prized creation, humanity, could benefit by putting their faith, their hope, their trust in Jesus. That's what happens when God loves the world, is that he gives selflessly. But when we love the world, we selflessly, we selfishly, try to hold on to more and more and more and more. It's interesting because, see, we're created in the image of God. That we're created to be Christ-like, and we should. But when God loves the world, it's totally different than the way that you and I love the world. There is a direct correlation with our finances and our faith there is and, and, and that might feel a little uncomfortable can I just go back to verse 7 God loves a cheerful giver but we've got to take it as a whole that, that, that we've got to look at, at all of, of the teachings and, and not just stake whatever we're going to do on, on a single verse but holistically collectively on everything and that when God, when he gets our stuff, he gets our heart. <coughs> that, that when God gets our stuff, he gets our heart. But when we choose to say, "No, I'm not a steward of the stuff. I'm, a, I'm an owner of the stuff. It's mine. Then we keep God from having our heart. So, what? <laughs> So, what? What are you going to sow? Pray with me. God, I pray that we would all be growing. God, that we'd be growing in, in the area of trusting you. God, that, that we'd be growing with a, a spirit of generosity that's more in line with, with you, God, who is the most generous of them all, and we're created in your image, and we're created to be like you. And God, I pray that we could just experience that and we would understand what it's like to be blessed, that it is more blessed to give than to receive, and that, that we would grow to this point, and that we would trust you to be our provider. And God, that, that as we grow in our generosity, and, and you just keep giving more to us, I pray that, that, that we would keep growing all the more in our generosity. God, that, that we would be people, that, that we, would, we would be giving to others, we'd give to you, and that we could experience what it's like for somebody to thank God for something that we get to take part in, that they thank you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.